Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, everything you ever wanted to know or even didn't know that you wanted to know about bipolar disorder. Am I bipolar? We will find out today on The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 137 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of turning to pornography as a coping mechanism. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done, please point yourself to pathbackrecovery.com. There you will find a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography once and for all. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And please take a second and visit the virtual couch on Instagram. Have somebody that is helping me there uh, post a little bit more and is uh, really posting some really good motivational, inspiring comments where, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of credit for things that I'm not posting and uh, getting some feedback from people saying, I really love what you share. And I quickly got to go see what did we share? And so I really am grateful for the uh, the content that is getting out there on Instagram. So uh, follow follow the virtual couch on Instagram, and uh, you can also go to the virtual couch page on Facebook or Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist that page as well. Why not like them both while you're there? And uh, please stop by TonyOverbay.com, sign up there to find out more about a lot of really exciting programs and things that are coming soon. And uh, let's get to the show. Okay, so today's topic is bipolar disorder, and this is one of those where if you don't feel that you are bipolar or know anyone that is bipolar, hang on there for a minute. Uh, we're going to kind of go over a lot of things that that I think uh, in, in, in my world, we call them rule outs. So sometimes people do feel crazy. Sometimes people have some ups and downs, and sometimes people do think to themselves, wait a minute, am I bipolar or is that person bipolar? And I really feel like the bipolar diagnosis was kind of the when I was when I was going back to school to get my master's, I had had ten years of uh, in the software industry under my belt. Go back and get my master's in counseling, and I'm going to start to slowly make a shift in my career. And I feel like at that time, the bipolar diagnosis was kind of the diagnosis. A lot of people were were getting this diagnosis of bipolar, or a lot of people I think were reading about bipolar disorder on the internet and self-diagnosing, which is always uh, always something to be a little bit weary of. And so I did a fair amount of research study around bipolar disorder. I mean, that was about 15 years ago. And then, uh, and I've been surprised over the years of, of how few bipolar diagnosis that I've actually kind of run into experienced, uh, given that sort of thing. And, and I got to tell you, before I even get to that, um, you know, I, I feel like I haven't been on the mic in a little while. It's only been a week. I had a couple episodes in the can, as they say, and uh, just had an opportunity last week to to go do something a little bit different. It's something that I'll probably be able to talk about a little bit down the road, but it's one of these things where I, I got to go do a little bit of consulting. I got to go into the corporate world and do a little bit of, uh, you know, be, become the, the behavioral um, 
expert, the the mental health expert, and sit in in, in some meetings where people are just really, I mean, this is going to sound so cliched, but but going to do some stuff that's going to change the world at, at a very large level, some some very large corporations that are kind of saying, you know, we, we kind of really actually need to listen to the uh, the people that are coming to work here and really need to understand what their experience is and kind of do the shift from telling them what they need to do and how they're supposed to feel to, hey, let's kind of hear what they're going through and let's kind of cater some programs to uh, to them. And, uh, and it was just really exciting because, I, I, you know, it's not often that you get to take concepts in the mental health world, concepts from therapy, and then see them um, happening in this kind of a larger corporate dynamic and see people they care and people that want to do something about that. So it was just really exciting. Maybe it was just exciting to, uh, you know, when you're, when you're seeing a lot of clients throughout the week and, and just, uh, you know, I get to podcast, I get to write, I get to speak a lot. But it was just nice to be kind of in this corporate setting and to sit there with people that can really make a difference and uh, see that they really do care. They really want change, that sort of thing. So that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, of, of excitement. And, and it did make me, man, what a whole a whole lot of these uh, old man get off my lawn moments where, you know, you find yourself as whether it's as a parent or whether you're you know, you've got young people that maybe work around you and you really do just want to tell them, tell them that, hey, here's what you need to do. This is what's going on. This is what this is the way that you'll fit in here best. This is what will make you happy. And, you know, realizing and maybe this is because I sit there with people every day in therapy who are then running up against these things at work, um, you know, in their family and their faith community. These people that mean well that are saying, here's the way you do things. This is what you do. And that doesn't take into account that person's individual experiences, you know, in this world of acceptance and commitment therapy. It doesn't take into account all the things that they've been through in their lives that brought them to that moment, whether it's, uh, I always say, whether it's their their birth order, whether it's their DNA, whether it's their nature, their nurture, the things they've been through, um, their experiences and attachment issues, uh, were there, did their parents work a lot? Did they have somebody die in their family? Did they have friends move away? But all these things that kind of bring somebody to the point where they are at so that then when they are just being told, here's what you do, here's what you need to do, then it just gives people this uh, opportunity to, to run that what's wrong with me track in their brain. So it's just really neat to be in a corporate setting where there's a, there are people that are trying to say, okay, we get that we need to understand more about what people's private experiences are coming in and how do we match that? How do we create a corporate environment around that? So anyway, I could go on and on, but, uh, but let's get to uh, the topic today. What is bipolar disorder? And so I first want to kind of give just an overview. And, and the reason why I'm doing this episode, by the way, is this is one of those things I get a lot of email and grateful for the email. And, and if I, boy, if I just went back and searched through my email and did a search for the word bipolar, um, there's a few dozen of these. So it's people that, that often want to know. Sometimes people are just saying it in joke, you know, joking around. I have these ups. I have these downs. I must be bipolar. Am I bipolar? Um, I feel like my, my, you know, spouse is bipolar. My kid is bipolar. And so I just thought, you know, let's just do a quick overview. We'll make this one a quick one. I've said that before famous last words, but so about what is bipolar disorder and all of the data I'm getting today is from psychcentral.com and psychcentral.com. They're not sponsoring the podcast, but they just have some nice topics that everything from OCD and anxiety, depression, um, ADHD, and, and so they have a whole tab on bipolar disorder. So I'm going to get uh, my data from there, but I'll, I'll try to editorialize, throw my own comments in here a little bit too. But I like that they first kind of have this overall, what is bipolar disorder? And, and uh, the author says, they, they, we all experience changes in our moods. And I think that's, that's a big key. A lot of times, even in here, I'm going to jump off on a first tangent talking about depression. So a lot of people feel like if they have had a couple of bad days or a few bad days, 
that, that something's wrong. They must be clinically depressed. But I think it's always, I, I like to say in therapy, that we all are going to have these bad days. We're all going to have the ups and the downs. And one of the big changes or one of the things to be aware of, especially in the world of depression, is during these bads are the things that you typically wanted to do just not even of interest. I have people who are passionate about everything from uh, crafts, exercise, even TV, you know, uh, watching things. Even when I say TV, I feel like an old man watching things online. But things that have typically brought someone enjoy, enjoy, they enjoy, brought them, what am I trying to say, enjoyment, brought them joy. And then they don't even want to do those things. So that's one of the, the markers to start looking at from a depression standpoint. But similar in the world of bipolar disorder, when people are trying to look at if, are they bipolar, we all experience changes in our mood. So some days we might feel happy. Some days we might feel sad. Some days we might have a really short fuse. Um, and some days we might feel like, man, this world is just, you know, here for the taking. And I notice often, I had this happen actually Sunday where I wake up and and I was kind of feeling okay. I got a lot, a lot of uh, exciting things going on, but a lot of exciting things going on mean that there's a lot of stuff going on. So trying to make sense of things and I kind of have this moment, like, you know what, life's amazing. Let's let, let's do this. Let's let's get after all these opportunities. And then all of a sudden feeling like, man, there's a lot of things that I'm not sure what to do next. Then all of a sudden I'm feeling kind of down, you know, and uh, just recognizing in that moment. So I think a lot of people go through these ups and downs even in the during a day, during an hour, probably even during a minute. And they're like, man, what's wrong with me? Am I bipolar? But here's, here's kind of the data, which I think is pretty interesting. Approximately 2.6% of American adults have bipolar disorder. So that's a pretty small percentage. Now, that doesn't mean that um, that, that means that you know I'm not going to listen to you if you come into my office and think that you have bipolar disorder. Because I think that if you feel that you have these ups and downs and mood swings, that they maybe aren't uh, something that you think is normal. Normal is a relative term. But it's something that uh, I highly encourage you to go get help for, to go check out. It was formerly called manic depression and manic de- depressive disorder, um, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. So these mood swings, and here's the part where we start to get into the what is bipolar disorder. The mood swings include highs, which we hear, we use the phrase mania. And I remember, here's these true confessions. I, I still hear emails all the time about my confession way back in the day in a podcast about not knowing or not understanding what sand tray therapy was. Sand, two words, sand tray. And uh, at that point, thinking it was some, you know, um, French uh, psychologist, uh, Pierre Santre. And, you know, so here's a little bit one of those mania. I mean, if, if a lot of people don't really even understand what that concept mania means. Mania is is not just feeling good, but it is. It's high where you feel like you are on top of the world. And there, uh, I remember in grad school, I cannot, oh, I'm drawing a blank. It was, uh, this is the part where doing this live and not wanting to uh, go back and edit probably bites me a little bit. But it was a movie um, <laughs> with a guy, and uh, when he was, it was, oh gosh, what was it, Beautiful Life? I, I, I don't know, maybe I'll have to put this in the show notes. But it, it, we watched this scene, and the scene was where the guy, during his manic episodes, during these episodes of Mania, where he was up on top of a building and literally thought, you know what, I think I can basically, you know, I can fly. I can jump over to the next building. This, I, I feel so good, I can do something that I normally wouldn't even think about doing. So that's the concept of mania, where they're just on top of the world, or the lows, where there is depression. We, we often know a lot about depression, but uh, it's that mania piece that a lot of people aren't really sure of. So the depression, when people feel hopeless or they feel sad, and, uh, and, you know, and, and the unfortunate part is that suicide attempts are, are often common in bipolar disorder, especially during those depressive episodes. So bipolar disorder can be treated with medication and therapy. And, uh, and I'm a firm believer in both that I feel like when people take medication for bipolar disorder, that that will often put them in a better place to then hopefully 
do therapy, which the therapy will teach them skills. And if you if you go back, some of the times I get well, I actually get a lot of questions on, almost on a not a daily basis, but at least a few times during the week about medication. You know, do I believe in medication? Do I think medication works? Should should I explore medication? And uh, man, I'm I'm a fan now of rule out everything. If if you if you're feeling like your life is impacted in a way that you don't um, you don't feel like you are being productive or you are are living the life that you want to live, um, it, I don't feel like it's a bad thing to rule out medication. So, um, but so bipolar can be treated with medication and and therapy. And again, a lot of times, just taking medication, I believe, raises one's emotional baseline up high enough to then do the work. Because sometimes when people feel so down. They aren't able to do the work in therapy, which then just plays into this what's wrong with me story that they tell themselves in their brain. So I do think it's really important to uh, to kind of explore both both medication and psychotherapy. So what causes bipolar disorder? There's really no single cause for bipolar disorder. And uh, and Psych Central uh, kind of has some, it lays it out pretty well, I think, where it says, like all psychological disorders, bipolar disorder is a complex condition with multiple contributing factors, including we've got genetic. Bipolar disorder does tend to run in families. So researchers believe there is a genetic predisposition for the disorder. Does that mean if my parents are by, have bipolar disorder or one of my parents or an aunt or uncle that I will have it? Uh, uh, no. Um, so scientists are, are starting to explore the presence of abnormalities on specific genes. And this is the part where it, it's, it just boggles my mind to think that, I don't know, the podcasts live forever. These audio files are going to be up there. And uh, matter of fact, there's uh, Google's doing some pretty amazing things with uh, these auto transcripts. And uh, someday somebody will be able to search something about bipolar disorder. Uh, the, a transcript of this podcast will come up. And at that point, they will have a map to a particular gene, I'm sure, that sort of thing. So biological. Um, a lot of researchers believe that some of the neurotransmitters, including, here's our friends, serotonin and dopamine, don't function properly in individual, individuals with bipolar disorder. And, uh, you know, man, do I know a lot about this world of dopamine as somebody with uh, with uh, diagnosed um, ADD or ADHD, subattentive type, the uh, the good old ADD of the past, that that darn dopamine, man. When you're when your brain isn't producing enough dopamine, uh, your brain's on the hunt for it, you know. And a lot of times, that from an ADD standpoint, that's where it's like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, squirrel, that whole joke. But but your brain's just saying, can I get a little more dopamine, please? Because when I got enough of it, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling locked in. So researchers do believe that serotonin and dopamine play a role in bipolar disorder. And then environmental factors. I think this is really important to note that here, here comes the stress. Stress, a major life event, can trigger a genetic predisposition um, or a potential biological reaction. So the example they give on the Psych Central site says, for, for instance, if bipolar disorder was entirely genetic, both identical twins would have the disorder. But research, and man, twin research is fascinating. Matter of fact, I need to do a podcast on that because it, it, just, it's, it's, it blows my mind when you kind of go to the research on twins. But research reveals that one twin can have bipolar while the other does not, implicating the environment as a potential contributing cause. So what are the different types of bipolar disorder? Here's where things get uh, kind of interesting. Bipolar 1. So bipolar 1 is considered classic bipolar. So individuals, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll get into a little bit more detail here. But individuals experience both the manic and the depressive episodes of varying lengths. And there's the key. The key in diagnosing somebody with bipolar, bipolar 1, bipolar 2 is the varying links of these manic and depressive episodes. And bipolar 2 um, involves less severe manic episodes than bipolar 1, but the depressive episodes are essentially the same. So again, bipolar 1 has these just manic episodes that can last for days, and we'll talk about the diagnostic criteria, where bipolar 2, um, less severe manic episodes. But then again, the depressive episodes are the same. Man, and uh, Dan from Oxbus taught me how to use my microphone much better. 
and I was holding back on that sniffle right there, but I, I'm right here by the mic when I just sniffled. So my apologies there if you, uh, if you heard a very, very robust sniffle on the mic. So here's one that I remember being in, uh, in grad school and thinking, okay, I, I never heard about this word. And this is one that is a little more common cyclothymia. There's a fun word, right? Cyclothymia. It's a chronic, but milder form of bipolar characterized by episodes of hypomania and depression that last for at least two years. And hypomania means that we're, we got some manic episodes going on, but we're not trying to, you know, um, fly or those sort of things. So, you know, but in, in these, uh, these, um, symptoms last for, for at least two years. Then we've got mixed episodes or ones where mania and depression occur simultaneously. This one is, I, I have worked with clients with this. And, and again, this is one where when you're sitting in a session talking with somebody, individuals might feel hopeless and depressed, but also energetic and motivated to engage in risky behaviors. And I find that a lot of people in, in the world of addiction that I work in, that that, is, that can kind of get uh, uh, confused with these mixed episodes, bipolar mixed episodes, because people are not, you know, they're feeling hopeless or depressed, but then they, they, their brain kind of goes to coping mechanisms or, or addiction is a way to try to manage this feeling of hopelessness and depression. And then there's one that uh, called rapid cycling. So rapid cycling bipolar people experience four or more episodes of mania, depression, or both within one year. So what are the risk factors of bipolar disorder? Um, risk factors include, um, talks about people with cyclothymia, the, what we just talked about above, about half of those individuals will experience a manic episode. Um, other risk factors of bipolar, uh, alcohol and substance abuse can really play a role. Um, medication interactions, sometimes uh, antidepressants. Um, can trigger mania. And that sounds dramatic, but all it means is that if somebody has really felt like they are this hopeless uh, feeling and then they do have, uh, then start to take an antidepressant, sometimes just that lifting that fog can then lead to these feelings of mania. Like, oh my gosh, I, all of a sudden I feel, I feel like there's hope. And sometimes that hope can lead to a, a manic episode. Doesn't mean that someone now has diagnosed bipolar because again, it can just be a manic episode. Um, but major life straight, uh, changes, severe stress, that sort of thing. So again, four types of bipolar states, mania, hypomania, depression, and then a mixed uh, mixture of mania and depression, which can be called a mixed episode. And so there's that sniff again. Um, here's what I, I love how Psych Central lays this out. What does mania look like? So I'm going to go down a list of mania. So mania says feelings of euphoria and elation or irritability and anger. Now, right there, we're going to feel like, oh, we all have manic uh, feelings. And, and we do. Everybody, for the most part, experiences feelings of euphoria or elation. But then uh, we kind of start to, down the list. Impulsive, high-risk behavior, including grand shopping sprees, uh, drug and alcohol overdose, sexual promiscuity. And, and I, I'm telling you, you know, again, confidentiality all locked in. But some when you really deal with somebody who has had manic episodes, I mean, I've had people that have um, you know, literally, uh, I mean, literally gone and, and like bought large items, uh, very expensive cars, a home, um, those sort of things when they are just, uh, kind of on a manic episode, somebody's out on a business trip. I talked to some one time, they literally bought a house in the area that they were on the business trip because they just were on this manic episode. A lot of people buying, buying cars, uh, motorcycles, um, a lot of spending, uh, that sort of thing. Mania can also look aggressive. Uh, mania can come with increased energy and rapid speech. And, and, and again, what is fascinating here is when it's somebody who isn't that way, quote, normally, and then they have a manic episode, that, that increased energy and rapid speech is just off the charts. And that I've experienced some of that in sessions. Um, fleeting or grandiose ideas, decreased sleep. Typically, the individual doesn't feel tired um, after his view of uh, two, three hours of sleep. Um, and we're talking for days. Decreased appetite, difficulty concentrating, disorganizing thoughts, inflated self-esteem. And then in severe cases, delusions and hallucinations. Hypomania 
which uh, you feel like when you add some words to the word mania that it would mean more. But hypomania is actually less severe than a full-blown manic episode. So hypomanic individuals can seem pleasant or friendly or energetic or productive. And though it doesn't sound as problematic, increasing hypomania can lead to risky behaviors and, and often kind of move into full mania. So let me cover depression really quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into um, a little bit more about uh, the ins and outs of the diagnosis. Um, if, if you're still with me, if uh, this has been interesting at all. What does depression look like? Feelings of hopelessness and sadness and inability to sleep or sleeping too much. And here's that key one. A loss of interest in formerly enjoyable activities, a loss of energy, sometimes to the point of an inability to get out of bed. And we're talking for days. Changes in appetite, weight, feelings of worthlessness and inappropriate guilt. I like that way they wrote that out. Inappropriate guilt where we just start to beat ourselves up. I mean, that's one of those things that can that, that can be a, a symptom of depression. Inability to concentrate or make a decision. And then those thoughts of death and suicide. And uh, then a mixed episode involves simultaneous symptoms of mania, depression, that sort of thing. So how is it diagnosed? There, there aren't any medical tests to diagnose bipolar disorder. So typically a, a psychologist, psychiatrist, other trained mental health professional can diagnose it, the disorder by conducting face-to-face interviews. And you know, you'll, you'll start to recognize symptoms. You'll start to ask more questions from basically the diagnostic criteria. Um, but then what treatments exist for bipolar? So you've got medications. And we already talked a little bit about me- what medications can do. And medications can consist of what's called mood, stabili- mood stabilizers. And mood stabilizers are medications that helps, uh, they help stabilize manic symptoms or prevent future episodes, or they, re- you know, they reduce this risk of suicidality. And the most well-known of these um, might've heard of lithium which um, is, is pretty effective for people who experience like these manic and hypomanic episodes. But again, it's to stabilize the mood. And, and there are people that I've worked with that, that really, you know, they try to lean into these manic episodes, but those manic episodes can really be um, intense. And, and sometimes they can be, um, I was going to say catastrophic. I don't know if that's, and I noticed I've been leaning away from the mic. Uh, but so that, that and catastrophic sounds dramatic, but a lot of times in these manic episodes, people can do things that then they regret even when they're feeling like that they can take on the world. But, you know, every medication can have a, a potentially serious set of side effects. Um, but uh, there are a lot of various, there are a lot of these mood stabilizing drugs, uh, Depakote or I'm trying to think Neurontin, uh, Topamax, some of these. And then there's uh, some people, the newest medications, and this is, boy, the, the label around medications can be um, part of the problem. There's uh, these, there are medications called um, antipsychotics. So they were originally developed to treat psychosis, or which is, is like a symptom of uh, schizophrenia. So again, if somebody hears antipsychotic, if they hear schizophrenia, um, typically they're thinking that, you know, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? But the antipsychotic medications um, are, they can often are, are described for um, bipolar. And so these can be Abilify, Risperdal, Zeprexa, Seroquel, um, some of those. And, you know, some of these have uh, side effects uh, as well. Um, but, uh, some of these can really help if you got a mood stabilizer and this antipsychotic, um, they can really lead to kind of just a more stabilization and mood. And, um, and then, it, you know, when one medication isn't working, a lot of times this is where you will find people that are taking mood stabilizers along with, uh, one of these antipsychotic medications, but therapy, let's talk about therapy. Therapy is, uh, it helps. Um, therapy is a crucial component of long-term bipolar disorder. According to psych central, even when mood swings are under full control, it's still important to stay in treatment. And, uh, and a lot of the successes come from things like cognitive behavioral therapy. I've talked a little bit about that on my show. I used to be a very big cognitive behavioral therapist. And what that helps is uh, people come up with strategies to cope with symptoms, um, really kind of dealing with the automatic negative thoughts, their moods, that sort of thing. There are some other things uh, in psychoeducation is teaching somebody about um, 
bipolar can help as well. And then my go-to acceptance and commitment therapy, I think is a huge, um, plays a huge role in helping people with bipolar disorder because of that concept of where it, again, it goes on to the trying to attack those what's wrong with me stories. Our brain tries to hook us to because, um, because we're, we are thinking the things we're thinking or feeling the things that we're feeling. And we're doing those because of all the things that kind of, again, bring us to the table. That's one of the key components of acceptance and commitment therapy, that acceptance part. So here's one of the biggest things that I find is a challenge with people who are struggling with bipolar disorder. That is taking the, taking your medication. Um, when people feel like they are up, when they feel like things are going well, a lot of people avoid medication. They feel like I'm good now. And so, and when they are good, they stop taking medication. A lot of times they'll back off seeing their therapist and so those are some of the key things of taking medication, seeing your therapist regularly. And there's a lot of good online communities and support, uh, in-person support groups, that sort of thing. And then this is one of those things when the going is good, it is, it is such an important time to adopt healthy habits, exercise, stress management techniques like mindfulness, uh, trying to eat healthy, avoid alcohol and drugs, um, getting sleep, that sort of thing. So uh, I'll just spend a couple more um, minutes here. On the Psych Central website, when you do click on the bipolar tab, there's a, there's a lot of good info from uh, Dr. John uh, Grohl. He's a, and he's a founder, editor in chief of Psych Central, psychologist, author, researcher. He's an expert in mental health online, and he's been writing about this stuff since 1995. So he's got a nice article there um, that goes into really bipolar, and uh, and just talks a little bit more. It goes into more detail that uh, about the symptoms of bipolar. So I wanted to just kind of really go into these uh, manic episode, talk a little bit more about what that means and talk about the, the time frames. So for bipolar disorder to be diagnosed, the person needs to have experienced at least one manic or in bipolar two hypomanic episode, and then one depressive episode during their lifetime, which is pretty fascinating to see that kind of a time frame. So the manic episode is characterized by extreme happiness, extreme irritability, hyperactivity, little need for sleep and or racing thoughts, which could lead to this rapid speech. And people in a manic episode feel like they can do anything. They make plans to try and do all of the things that they've ever wanted to do and they believe that nothing can stop them. Sounds pretty amazing at times, right? But the problem is that uh, that the more you know, people kind of uh, run into this irritability, um, these extremes, this uh, the little need for sleep, the racing thoughts, the rapid speech, that, uh, that they aren't necessarily kind of thinking with their, some people like to say, quote, right mind, which then when they are trying to do all of these things um, that they feel that uh, they just feel so empowered to do that uh, it can not necessarily be coming from a, a completely rational place. So hypomanic episode, bipolar 2, characterized by the same symptoms as manic episode, except the symptoms only need to have been present for at least four days. And then a depressive episode is characterized by, like we had talked about, extreme sadness, lack of energy or interest in things, and inability to enjoy normal, pleasurable activities and feelings of helplessness or hopelessness. And on average, somebody with this condition might have up to three years of normal mood between episodes of mania or depression. So when left untreated, the severity of the episodes can vary. So people with this condition can often predict when a new cycle is starting because they'll start to notice the severity of their symptoms increasing. And, uh, and I think the only other thing I really wanted to cover on this today is, is just the, the self-help strategies, um, they really do vary and effectiveness. And I, and I, this is where I kind of feel like the acceptance and commitment therapy comes in. So a lot of people will hear about strategies to treat bipolar disorder, uh, and, and then they will try some of these strategies. And if the strategy doesn't work for them, they immediately attach to the, see, that didn't work. But if you are experiencing these extreme um, symptoms of mania or severe depression, if you really do feel like these, uh, this concept of bipolar disorder speaks to you or is your experience, please go seek help from a, a licensed therapist psychologist, psychiatrist, 
and uh, and it's definitely worth it to take a look at um, at getting some help for this um, because what what will often happen is people will even hear a podcast like this and you know my goal is to try to bring awareness but people will hear a podcast and they'll try a couple of things yeah, maybe lightheartedly or or uh, just kind of putting in a little bit of effort toward uh, some of these you know okay I'll do a little bit of mindfulness or I'll try to be more aware of this I'll try to get a little bit more sleep and then they're still experiencing these uh, symptoms and then it kind of immediately goes to the uh oh you know what's wrong with me and uh, but so please go seek help because they part of what I really like is uh, on the Psych Central website they talk about living and managing bipolar so it says there's many challenges to living with this condition on a daily basis but one important uh, component of living with the condition is learning to build routines and that is so key and stick with the routines no matter what what can often drive somebody into a manic or depressive episode, um, and again, this is uh, this is according to um, uh, Dr. John Grohol. But what what can drive somebody there um, is is really um, it's it's when they go off this routine, or you know, it's somebody who is deciding one day again that their mood stabilizer that uh, that has helped them get to the point that they're at is no longer necessary, or the the antipsychotic medication that was working so well now has has you know completely fixed them so they no longer need to take that so so having that routine sticking with that routine if the medication's working uh stay on the medication if you really want to start to look at getting off medication do so with a uh, the help of a doctor a psychiatrist um somebody who can really help help and, and you can kind of talk about those things but uh but man a lot of people start to just try to get off the medications on their own they don't necessarily do that in a, in a really healthy way. And then those symptoms can come back sometimes even stronger than other. So prognosis with appropriate treatment, the outlook for somebody with bipolar disorder is very favorable. Most people respond to medication and a combination or a combination of medications. And, uh, and then on average, um, a person is free of symptoms for about five years between the first and second episode. I thought that was pretty interesting data too. As time goes on in an interval between episodes may shorten, especially in cases. And here we go in which treatment is discontinued too soon. So it's estimated that a person with bipolar disorder will have an average of eight to nine moon episode, mood episodes during his or her lifetime. So get help. Um, you know, learn more. There are, and okay, I almost didn't cover this one. There are some medical conditions that uh, can appear as bipolar, but also are something else. That Those can include things like thyroid uh, issues. Um, so, uh, and this is why it's always important to get a medical checkup before, uh, well, maybe in conjunction with going to a therapist. Um, neurological diseases like multiple sclerosis, brain tumor, stroke, epilepsy, those sort of things, um, infections of the brain from conditions like HIV or syphilis. Uh, even there's some data around sleep apnea, um, Lyme disease, these sort of things that can uh, mimic these symptoms of bipolar disorder, deficiency in certain vitamins such as B12. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's some other medications that are used to prevent other diseases that can cause some reactions that may appear to be uh, similar to bipolar disorder. So, um, Talk to your doctor about your medical history, about your medications that you're currently tel- helping, and they can help determine the cause of the condition that you have. If a family member or somebody is, you feel like they, I, I, I only chuckle because it's like this thing where people will often want to diagnose someone in their family, even if uh, that person, um, you know, it, is not uh, believing that they have an issue. Uh, Psych Central writes as well. Family members may want to express their concern by describing specific behaviors to a person in a non-judgmental fashion. The person with the disorder is less uh, able to dismiss the observation if there's a consensus among family or friends that a distinctive pattern has emerged. That can be a little bit tricky, though, when uh, everybody's saying, hey, we've all been talking, you know, and here's what we think you're going through. Um, so, so, you know, if a couple of the questions that come up, 
If I'm diagnosed with bipolar, will I be on medication the rest of my life? Again, not necessarily. People are encouraged to stay on medication. A lot of times I feel like then on medication, they can then seek therapy and learn the tools. So if they slowly start to get off medication under the supervision of a doctor, um, that uh, their baseline is high enough that at times then they can really enact or enable the tools. If you really are, are determined to get off medication, get those routines in place and, and really get that self-care going. And uh, is there anything else I can do to uh, help with the, my disorder? Um, another one of, the, one of the questions. Yeah, yes. Learn everything that you can by read books, go to lectures, talk to a doctor, get support from others who have, uh, who have experienced bipolar disorder. Um, you know, it's just that concept of where the more you know, uh, the better. But uh, sometimes when people do hit the internet and do a lot of Googling, that can, uh, that can um, cause people to feel a little bit more fear, a little bit more panic. So if you do feel like this is something you need to take a look at, then please, by all means, um, consult with a medical professional for a, uh, a medical evaluation, see if any of those other components, those medical components might be in effect, and uh, set up a time to meet with a therapist, a, li a licensed therapist, a psychologist. And uh, it's, it's not going to hurt you at all to go over some of these um, symptoms or some of the things that you're experiencing in your life. And it's perfectly fine to go into your therapist and say, hey, I've been I mean, really the, here's that thing where we got to deal with the reality. People Google it. People go in and say, I think I may be bipolar. Um, let your therapist know. And uh, you guys can talk about that. And at least you can either get help for that or you can rule that out. So uh, hopefully now you know everything you need to know about bipolar disorder. And uh, and again, seek help if you uh, if you need some and keep those questions coming. You can shoot me a question at contact at tonyoverbay.com. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll put those on a future podcast as well. So until next time, I'll see you again on the virtual couch. Ox Bus.